Bob Dane is the executive director of the Federation for American Immigration Reform. Hello there, sir. Good to see you again. How are you? You're, you know, you're, you're from Reno down to Washington, over to Washington. You're usually the the host who travels the farthest. Sorry, your second place is here because, uh, as as you know, we had uh, talk hosts coming in from Honolulu this year. Yeah. Along with the '62. You know, this started back in 2005. Roger Hedgecock out of uh, Kogo right. brought about four or five radio talk hosts to Washington. They talked to their lawmakers, they broadcast, and they thought it was a pretty cool idea. They approached FAIR, tripled the next year. We had about 25 talk hosts, and um, in 2007 we defeated, uh, along with Talk Radio Nationally, Talk Radio is so important on this issue, we defeated the uh, McCain-Kennedy amnesty bill, and then in 2013 oh, yeah. we remember the... Um, uh, Senate Gang of Eight bill. We had about 50 talk hosts here, and according to the New York Times, the power, the amplitude, uh, and the influence of talk radio fought that back. Here's the difference this year with yeah, 62 hosts. Big difference. Well, we're playing offense. We're being more yeah, proactive. That's we, nice. We've got support. We're not playing defense against the backdrop of an, an Obama administration that spent eight years of dismantling interior enforcement. I remember we had uh, Roger Hedgecock was on KOH with his syndicated program, and I remember having a conversation with him. He goes, hey, he says, I'm going to this neat event that we cooked up, you know, hold their feet to the fire. And, and I said, yeah, it sounds very interesting. Keep me posted. And I've watched it grown ever since, from its very humble beginnings to what is happening here today with 60 fellows like me. Here. Well, you, you yeah, know, it's a we, credit to you guys. We always, it's a credit to you guys and your listeners. Uh, you know, talk radio is one of the last remaining um, participatory, um, democratized medium in the, in the world, uh, in the country, against the backdrop of a crumbling democracy dominated by special interest K Street lobbyists and a biased media. You know, we say, if you want politicians to see the light you got to make them feel the heat so it's uh, hold their feet to the fire well the president's not our problem at the moment at least not in 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 the larger sense he's trying to get some things done um and that's been the theme this year we need to hold congress feet to the fire they just don't want to move on a lot of this a couple of good things happened in the house today which is nice I don't think they're, they're probably going to die in the Senate because that's, you know, bills go to the Senate to die. I don't know. What do you think? I think the president has uh, done a pretty good job. He has done as much as he can from an executive standpoint. Unlike Obama, he has not exceeded his executive authority. That's right. Early on, he had several good executive actions. Things have slowed down a little bit. The media is certainly bound and determined to topple this president. The oxygen has been sucked out of the room with uh, the uh, the Russia so-called Russia scandal. But you're exactly right, Dan, that moving forward in order to fulfill the immigration reform agenda, Congress needs to step up to the plate. The mm -hmm. onus needs to be on Congress because executive action is really great, and we're very pleased with what's going on so far. But the gold standard is legislation. We did have a couple of pretty good bills uh, passed today. Yeah, Kate's Law and the uh, Sanctuary Cities Bill to withhold some funding. So fingers crossed. That's a little bit more than that, though. That you will, will tell me. Well, of course, Kate's Law it, it imposes stiffer penalties for people who keep coming back and getting thrown out of the country. Come in, come out, come out. Um, you know, it's just common sense to impose stiffer penalties. But the Sanctuary Bill, you're right, it does withhold funding. To, Not enough, but to recalcitrant so. jurisdictions that harbor uh, uh, sanctuary policies and refuse to cooperate with the feds. But here's yeah. where it's really important: it 
the, the bill that was passed today, with some bipartisan support, I think is a very good first step to helping clarify the detainers issue. And very simply put, let me put, when ICE identifies somebody in a local lockup having committed a local crime who happens to be an illegal alien, they will send a notice to the local jailer and say, hey, hold, that person will be by in 48 hours, pick them up. Right. You know, places like California say, nah, we're not going to cooperate. Um, if you're a sheriff anywhere in the United States, you're in a, you're in a, between a rock and a hard place right now because if you honor the detainer, if you turn that criminal alien over to ICE, the ACLU is going to bombard you with a lawsuit. Sure. That's not politically good for you as an elected official. On the other hand, if you don't honor detainers, you put the bad guy back out on the street. The National Sheriff's Association um, has actually, you know, uh, given advice to the local sheriffs that maybe, you know, if you don't want to be sued, you shouldn't honor these detainers. Today's bill helps take a first step to clarifying the legality, the constitutionality of honoring those detainers. It's a really important first step because if ICE cannot come to a local community and pick up a criminal alien, nothing else is going to happen. We're going to be stuck at home base. Yeah, Bob Danes, the executive director of the Federation for American Immigration Reform, sponsoring the Hold Their Feet to the Fire event. Uh, you know, we get bogged down in the minutia of immigration, we, and, and, and sometimes we focus just on you know, the border and people coming here. This has far-reaching ramifications to the economy, employment, all sorts of things, big picture. You know, it's it's one of the <laughs> immigration is the most, far and away the most transformational determinant of where we are and where we are heading as a country, and it influences everything from education to national security and all points in between. You know, it's really easy to call people who uh, want rational enforcement of reasonable laws and some degree of uh, a limiting principle at the border, you know, racist and xenophobes. Um, Opposition to immigration enforcement really stems by way of ignorance because it takes a lot of work to consider the cost and consequences of the full compendium of things that are influenced by immigration. It's a complex issue, mm-hmm. and it's good we're starting the conversation. Nobody is anti-immigrant. We've always had immigration. We always will. But there has to be some limiting principle. Otherwise, do we really want to spiral off into a quadrupling of immigration as the, as the left wants? No, I mean, it does not. That, that would certainly throw out of equilibrium the uh, available supply between labor and, and jobs. Last November's election, in the minds of many, and President Trump, unexpectedly, I guess would be a fair way to put it, winning the presidency of the United States. Immigration was a big topic of his during the campaign. Many say it could be one of the biggest reasons he was elected because people are tired of the way things have been versus where we need to go. He's got to get some help from Congress, though. We didn't have an election in November. There was an earthquake, and it collapsed all of the faulty foundations upon which the cultural elites in Congress and on K Street and in the business and the corporate communities have been dictating immigration to the detriment of American workers and taxpayers. You and I have talked about this before, that the two corrupting influences of, of why we are in such shambles with our immigration system is because big business wants open borders and an unending flow of low-skilled immigrants yes. to throw the American worker under the bus and depress wages, and the Democrat Party has used immigration as a blunt political instrument. I mean, if you can import millions, tens, and hundreds of millions of people who are poorly skilled and heavily government dependent, you know, they're not voting for the party of small government. No, and that is and has been the problem and will continue to be unless 
Well, one of the reasons we're here today is to bring more light to the problem. You bet. Bob Danes, Executive Director of the Federation for American Immigration Reform. Thanks for the time. Thanks for the invitation. Thanks for the effort. Thanks for the participation of your listeners. If I had one message, it is if you support the president's agenda, you've got to let your lawmakers know that you do. Otherwise, the farther away from the general election we get, the more the political class elite on Capitol Hill are going to forget what the issue really, really is. And some 16, 17 months now from the midterms in 2018, the pressure is going to amp up, and, and you're right. They need to hear from folks. Bob Dane, thanks for being here.